247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, I'm privileged to have a guest all the way from down under Australia. She is Kimberly Simpson, and we will be discussing cultivating your own curiosity. Good evening to you, Kimberly. Welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for calling in all the way from Australia. Thank you so much for having me, Julian. Actually, it's Kimberly Spencer. I uh, just don't want anyone to confuse me with O.J. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why my na- my my uh, notes say uh, uh, Simpson, but I stand corrected. Yes, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So it's it's so Wouldn't great. Want my it's... husband to think I was stepping out on him. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, it's, uh, what is it? It's 11, almost 11.30 p.m. here on uh, Wednesday night in uh, New York. Tell us, uh, what time is it in Australia? It is 2.30 p.m. Okay, wow. Look, what a difference. You've got, I've got dark, you've got sunlight. But it's, yeah. It's, it's well, so, normally this would be my nap time, and I assume 11.30 is your bedtime, or at least I hope. Um, but... It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, two four seven real talk is a is a night show, so we're we're I'm usually recording when most people are sleeping. Uh, so to get right into the show, um, and before we get into the details of of cultivating your own curiosity, why don't you give me and give my audience a uh, a bit of an intro? to Kimberly Spencer. Yeah, so I, I mean, where do I start? I feel like I was born in, in a lovely summer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I am a high-performance coach. I am the founder of crownyourself.com. I help work with visionary leaders, entrepreneurs to build their empire, stand out authentically, and to serve from the place of alignment and soul and from their purpose work. And I have been doing that for four years. It is such a fun blessing to be doing the work that just fills my soul um, in transforming people's stories and being able to be here with all of you and, and share in that and share in how I got here. And I obviously, I mean, I'm, da- I'm from down, I'm in down under, I am d- down in Australia, but I am not Australian. Uh, my husband and I, we were vacationing here down uh, back in March of 2020. And my husband was appearing at a convention because he's a voiceover artist. And I, ironically, I found it funny that he was appearing in the midst of a pandemic breaking out with the cast of the walking dead. I was like, there is, there is the universe having irony right there. (laughs) Um, And so we just looked at each other and we saw that lockdown was inevitable. And my business was in a place to sustain us to, to live in another country and maintain our home back in LA. And so I said, look, if we're going to be on lockdown, why don't we just do it with the beaches, our backyard. And we just decided to stay. And we thought it was going to be like, he says he thought it was going to be for like a few weeks. I thought it was going to be for a few months. Um, we didn't expect to be here 10 months later, but now we are just leaning into the vision of that. This is what we've always wanted to create and do with our lives. We've always wanted to work from wherever and raise our kids at learning from different cultures and in different countries and different environments to be able to have that, uh, diversity of experience. And so we just decided to Day, and now my husband gets to pursue his passion and he's going to culinary school to master his chef skills. And I really think I get the benefit from that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So you're basically saying that, you know, um, because of circumstances, you've decided that now in Australia, that's your new home. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, my dad just passed away uh, the other week and, and my mom put me under strict orders to not come back. <laughs> She said, you're not allowed to leave paradise. 
you're not allowed to come back. Don't, there's no point in coming back. It's not like I could have even been at the hospital. Um, and so it, it's, it, it's been very interesting, uh, challenging and difficult, almost surreal, um, being so far away from home and also simultaneously creating our home here. Um, and the experience and the duality of that, which has been uh, filling me with learning lessons and growth, which I'm very excited to see what comes out and what comes forth in this year. That is fantastic. So this passion of yours and talking about cultivating your own curiosity, is it something that um, is sort of sits on the foundation of of how you grew up or, or your experiences growing up? Or is it something that um, just came out of a different event? Um, I, I would say my curiosity was always very much fostered growing up. Uh, my, my mom would be the first to say that like, you could definitely tell if there was a subject matter that I wasn't interested in, um, because I would immediately tune it out. And as soon as I was focused on something, I've always been focused on transforming people's stories. And that's the business that I'm in. Um, I transform people's stories about what's possible for their bank accounts, for what's possible for their business, for what's possible for their own fulfillment to be able to live a balanced life where they get to do what they they love doing and also have a family and a healthy body. Um, but it's always been um, transforming people's stories. And I've always been fascinated by stories. And from a storyteller's perspective, a storyteller has to be curious about where they're going to go. Sometimes having, I mean, excuse me, <coughs> got a little tickle. <coughs> from a storyteller's perspective, sometimes when you're writing a story, and I know this from having written a feature film, you don't know where the story is going to lead you. So you don't know if it's going to lead you into, you know, chaos or if it's sometimes you, as you're writing it, you're allowing it to envelop and, and to develop. <clears throat> and so often we go into life assuming like that there is this like formulaic process for success. And that's not the case. Everybody is unique Everybody has their own unique way of doing things, of bringing their experiences and their life and their learning to the table. And from that, that is how we can get curious about what's next instead of living by these beliefs of what should be or what should be different. Because shoulda, coulda, woulda isn't reality. It isn't what is. I mean, as much as, and this goes for if you're writing a story, like if you're writing a story, you may think, oh, my character should do this thing. But then there's another character in the story that you're writing where their behavior is totally different. And so in that experience, they're going to be acting and responding differently. <coughs> I haven't talked this much in uh, about a week or so, so. Forgive me. That's that's quite okay. So you you, I don't want to skip over the part you, where you mentioned the feature film. What was the the premise for the, that feature film? So the feature film that I wrote is a movie called Bro, starring Danny Trejo. I believe it's available on Netflix still. Not in Australia though, for some reason. But um, I I wrote it. It wasn't originally about motocross. It was originally about a young kid who gets caught up with the cool crowd or in in this instance in the, the that sort of bro culture and by around draft four my director and co-writer Nick Parada asked me he said we have some some possible financial backing and branding opportunities with Metal Militia coming on board but they said you need to add in motocross do you know anything about it I said I don't but there's YouTube and so I added in uh, motocross and we tweaked that. So it's it's about a young kid who gets caught up in the high-flying, hard-partying world of freestyle motocross and what comes out of that. And the thing that I loved about that experience is because I writing a feature film, that was always a, 
a dream of mine and a goal and accomplishing it, getting to the point where I was at the premiere and I was surprised that I was only 90% fulfilled. I wasn't 100%. Like I thought, oh my gosh, I've achieved this goal. My name is on the big screen written by Kim McKenzie. Well, that was my, my former name and before I got married. And I thought, this is it. And yet I did not feel 100% fulfilled. And I was like, whoa, what is up? So instead of getting judgmental, about, I should feel this or, I sh- or feeling guilty that I didn't feel fulfilled, I got very curious and I allowed myself to sit with that feeling. And a couple weeks later, the universe delivered a magical message in the form of a friend of a friend of mine who I had given tickets to, because when you write a movie, you get extra tickets to to, the premieres and showings and things like that. And I had doled them out like candy. And so I'd given them to this friend of a friend for her and her son to come. And they came to the premiere and they stayed for the Q&A afterward. And they heard the testimony of one of the guys who was one of the cast members who said his life literally mirrored the movie of going down the the drug route and and the drinking and and going into rehab and going and getting, you know, locked up in jail and then getting bailed out by his dad. And and this kid, I get a text from, from my friend and she let me know that this mom at told her, she said, after watching that movie, my kid changed his life. Like he stopped hanging out with the crowd that he was hanging out with. He stopped doing drugs. It transformed him. And that was when I said, okay, that there's that 10% of fulfillment. That's what I've been looking for. So how do I transform people's stories more? And so for a while, it was becoming a partner in an e-commerce company where we sold a backstretching device and um, we brought that to market. And that was a very exciting two years of my life at a startup. And then uh, about three weeks before I got married, we signed the buyout agreement and for me to be bought out. And it wasn't because I was getting married, but three months before my business partner had said he wanted me out and I was negotiating to keep the company and it just didn't end up working out. And my, my husband, my then fiance was like, Kim, just, just, just allow for the peace. Just let's go off on our honeymoon, cut ties, start afresh. And so we signed the buyout. I signed the buyout agreement. My husband encouraged me to do it. Um, three weeks before I got married. And then we went off on our honeymoon and I was like, okay, so that's done. Now what? Now how do I combine all of these passions? I have a love for business. I have a love for health and fitness. I was a Pilates instructor for 10 years because when you are working in Hollywood, sometimes you need a bridge job, as they call it, to support yourself. And so I taught Pilates, and I loved doing that. And that, that too, was following my curiosity because um, I knew I didn't want to wait tables, so I knew exactly what I didn't want but I didn't know what I did want. And uh, Pilates very much fell into my lap from as a gift from the universe. And then uh, I knew I didn't really want to write movies again because I wanted something that produced income a little faster. And so I was like looking for what it was. And my husband and I, after way too many espressos, were just kind of brainstorming one day. And I leaped off the couch and I said, crown yourself. And he said, what's that? I said, I don't know, but that's the name of my business. And it started out as a blog and then it turned into coaching. And now it is a coaching and digital education company where we use entertainment from our podcast, like uh, The Princess and the Bee, to soon our YouTube channel, which will be launching in uh, February on February 14th in honor of my dad and to books and to courses and coaching programs to support people in really rising into who it is that they were born to be, not who other people said they should be. And that's really where my curiosity was, was my parents, even though they weren't perfect, but they certainly blessed me with believing and allowing me to be whatever I wanted career-wise. I remember they said to me, because in high school I was super, super depressed. And I was, 
I was really struggling. I was in the battle. Uh, I was in a battle with bulimia at the time. I was just miserable, and I was super depressed my senior year. So my mom said, Kim, you know what you want to do. And back then it was pursuing a career in entertainment and in Hollywood. And she said, you're such a go-getter. I had already written an award-winning screenplay. It had won some some festival prizes. And she's like, you already know what you want. So she said, if you want to drop out of high school, and this is this is my mom saying this to me, like last person on the planet who you would think would be encouraging someone to drop out. Um, she said, but if you want to drop out, she said, you don't need biology, you don't need AP French, you don't need um, these other classes to to be successful. And that, well, I didn't end up dropping out. I did stay and I graduated. Um, but that conversation gave me so much freedom because um, no longer was I living by this perception that I had to be perfect or, or be a straight A student because really it. I I allowed myself to get curious and was like, why? Why am I putting this much pressure on achieving at a high level, getting all perfect grades when it's not even in subjects that I'm interested in that will be really applicable to my career choice that I had already decided I was going to be pursuing. And when I want something, I can go full force. Um, And that was the beauty of, of both of my parents was that they always cheerleaded and championed me. Um, into whatever career that I wanted. Um, and that, that really is a blessing to have because it, if I said acting one day, it was acting. If I said, oh, I'm going to become a Pilates instructor, and they were like, well, that's out of the blue, but okay, we're, we're cheering you on. And they were the ones who put up the, the money, they used the college money that they had saved for me to put me through Pilates school. Um, which is way cheaper than college. Um, but I was able to to do that because they they knew that when I had an idea in my head, when I wanted something and was like, this is this is what I'm doing. Like this is what I'm going for. This is it. And I've made my decision that there like there's no changing my mind on so, that I, I when wanna, it comes to my career path. I want to pause for a second. I want to um, sort of go back a bit here because, you know, the beauty of real talk is conversations like this and, and then um, sort of marrying uh, these great concepts to to maybe what we would want to call a wider range of, of, of realities, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I the first part of it I found very, very interesting because I've had this conversation with others before when we say, you know, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. I, you know, in, in hindsight, I, I kind of say, you know, was it really worth it to follow the mold, so to speak? And we, we kind of follow that path where you go to, you know, you go to school, you graduate um, high school, you go to college, you, you know, you, you put yourself through these years of trying to figure out who you are and what you want to study and as I look back, you know, and I've, I've worked now in my current job with uh, U.S. government for, uh, I think I'm just about to finish 29 years. And when you look back at it, I realized one of the most significant things was being saddled with student loans for when, when I, when, you know, for an education that because I followed the mold, I achieved, but seems to have very little value in what I'm actually doing. Yeah. And so that's the first thing that, you know, I've had discussions with others where they say, you know, we really need to encourage people. We, we put society, we've, we've been so conditioned to put so much stress on our kids growing up. You know, you've got to do great in school because you've got to uh, excelling and you've got to go to college and you've got to, and you've got to, and you've got to, but, and that's okay if that's their path, but we don't, we, we don't allow for diversity in terms of curiosity that, that, that sort of pushes the boundaries or, or pushes the norm. You know, it's, it's, if you look at the typical parent, you know, if you have a kid that's not paying attention in school, 
and maybe let's even let's go further, even say not getting good grades in school, we automatically, you know, what's wrong with him? And why is mm-hmm. he not focusing? And um, you know, we kind of sometimes as parents you what you're so conditioned without even thinking, you kinda of tell them, you know, well if you don't if you don't pay attention in school, you're not gonna be able to, you know, get a good job and you, when you grow up and you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not going to and then we find that there are a lot of um young people who actually follow that path and end up in exactly that position of of not being able to do anything. Um, and part of that dynamic is because I think society has kind of told them, well, you didn't excel, you didn't ex- excel in school. So this is where you end up. It, it, society almost mm-hmm. didn't allow it's them to think outside of the, right. To think outside the box and to decide, you know, I, I can still be as, as successful as I want to be without following this path. And I mean, you can look at the, on the flip side of the coin, because if you look at some of the greatest technological advancements in the past 20 years, all created by college dropouts, like Steve Jobs, dropout, Bill Gates, dropout, Facebook. I think I'm not sure if Mark Zuckerberg was a dropout, but like these these megalith companies were created by people who just got curious in their basement. Right. Like, Jeff Bezos got curious in his in his basement or in his garage, but it was it was from curiosity instead of being just accepting of what you're taught. And I think that that is one of the one of the challenges that we face with the traditional education system and the way that it's set up is that it's very grade based, which is very much for achievement, but not necessarily for fulfillment. Yeah, and, like and, I can tell you that I loved, I loved getting A's, but man, it did not set me like that. The training of be, doing well in school and the fear of failing, the fear of getting an F, the fear of getting anything less than an A in, in my perfectionist mind, um, really set me up for failure to be a very hard pill to digest for many, many years. It still is sometimes. Um, and so, and yet, if you look at a toddler, because I have a three-year-old, and one of my favorite times in his life was watching him learn how to walk. And I just watched a show on Apple, um, I think it's called Becoming You, and it, it said that the average child falls 10,000 times. So falls, meaning they fail at walking, they fall on their butt 10,000 times before actually successfully being able to walk on two legs. Now that that te- there's that 10,000 rule like Edison 10,000 times failing at the light bulb, but he got it right once. Like and that's and that's the thing that if we allow failure to cripple our curiosity and that is one of the things in a grade-based education system where the fear of getting anything less than an A or a B or even sometimes a C, depending upon the student, um, the fear of failing becomes so heightened and so palpable that we start to identify and attach our identity to being a failure if we're not getting, if we're not excelling in a subject, if we're not succeeding in, in something. Like for me, for example, I was never interested in the sciences. That just wasn't my jam. I was interested in storytelling. I was interested in writing. Like my senior year of high school, I took four English classes. But now, if you would have told me that I would be reading books on neuroscience when I was 15 years old, I would laugh at you because that wasn't my interest. But now my interest is human behavior and studying the characters of humanity and what makes us tick and why we do what we do. And had someone back in when I was 16 years old struggling with bulimia connected biology and our, kinesi- uh, our, our kinesiology with my own personal struggles, I needed a why. I didn't just need a what to learn. I needed a why as to how this personally applied to me. And now I know that's not everyone's flavor of learning, but I know I'm not alone in needing a why to understand 
why I, I need to learn this. And it's, it goes beyond because I said so. And I think that, that that default societal conditioning of, oh, because I said so, or because, because, you know, it's the curriculum or because the teacher said so. Like when we can really, as Simon Sinek says, start with the why, we get so many more engaged learners who will fall in love with the learning process. I mean, the thing is, is I read this great book called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. And the fascinating thing about this book is that Napoleon Hill wrote this book. It was uh, initially about his struggle to write Think and Grow Rich. He'd spent years of his life interviewing some of the top people, Ford, Carnegie, um, yeah, I've, I've the, read the some billionaires, of this stuff. Yeah, yes. the successful, successful top people in the world back then. And he struggled to write and produce this book. And in this book, uh, so he, he ends up writing and publishing Think and Grow Rich. And this is the book, Outwitting the Devil is really the book about his own struggle with the demon of doubt to be able to put get his book out there, to, to finish this piece, this thing that he felt called to do, this, this purposeful thing that he felt called to do. But yet we all, when we're going for that big goal, that big dream, that thing that feels so aligned, we have all these demons, in essence, these challenges that we run up against. So that's... that's and with, and oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to pause you there because I want to make sure as as the audience is listening to this and and making sure that we deliver um as much value as as you know and and help to others there is a there is another dynamic there that i think that it's important for us to discuss even if we don't have the answer and that is in this concept and i've listened to napoleon hill i i used to have his audiobook, and I would play it over and over and over again because I think um, it's sort of, you know, repetition is important when listening to Napoleon Hill. Um, yeah. But I, what also dawns on me is I think that we have a lot of people who also have that curiosity, who want to take that plunge but there are other socioeconomic issues and and um, environmental issues, if my if I may use that term, that sort of restrict them. And you know, in in a conversation like this, it's it, it it's it's what one of the the mysteries or one of the keys we need to or one of the locks we need to open is how to give people. Um, knowledge and, and the ability to overcome uh, issues that, you know, encompass their world, which maybe, you know, we, and many people live in different worlds, you know, people yeah. live in, in, in worlds where they have dreams that they never realized, even though they were the smartest people in the world, um, there could have been the next, next Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, but um, they instead were were trapped, so to speak, in a society where they had to make a choice of family and taking care of family and having all these family dynamics that forced them to quit school and work and to put their dreams in the back burner. And it's, in, I think, and, and what I'm really getting at is I think when you find yourself trapped in that kind of environment, in, in that sort of cocoon, it is, you know, the, the curiosity you have may be the exact thing you need to actually break that mold. But to make that leap and understanding what maybe your responsibilities are and understanding that, you know, like you said, you have like the child that falls 10,000 times, you don't, you almost don't have because of your circumstances of life, the ability to fall once, because if you do, there's a ripple effect of so many others in your family or, or whoever that that will be affected by it. You get what I'm saying? It's it's you know the, the, yeah, it's a wider I, I dynamic couple- of 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 not. I mean, the curiosity. Like for instance, in your case, you know, it, it was amazing that, for instance, your your parents had your college fund, and when 
you you you, did, you know they allowed you to step out and and be curious and and do the things you wanted to and they were able to help you but you know mm-hmm. there there are parts of society where the children are the ones that are providing the help to the parents yeah and so for them they don't they don't you know how do we reach them how do we how do we get to the point where we use the exact thing that you you you're involved in and, and and the exact empowerment that you provide to reach someone who is sort of in the reverse position, someone who comes from a uh maybe you know an impoverished society, someone who comes from a, a neighborhood or a dynamic that's just designed um to be restrictive, to take that leap knowing that you know, because again, if they fall Others fall with them. If they fall, their fall, even once, can be catastrophic. So I think they, they're caught in the mold of why try. Yeah, and, and I understand that and I feel for that because I think that that it, come, it comes down to the power of choices. I mean, we each have a superpower in our ability to choose. Maybe not our circumstances. Maybe we didn't get to choose, like... I was blessed with two amazing parents, but I also didn't choose to be, uh, to grow up in a home with addiction. And like, those were not choice. Like I didn't choose for my dad to be an alcoholic for my childhood years. I didn't choose for some of the, uh, abuse that we kind of, that we faced for several years of my life. Like my dad was fortunately able to turn his life around, but up until four years ago, he was an alcoholic. Um, and so I'm not saying that there aren't struggles and that there aren't challenges, but our, our power of choice comes into the power of how we choose to respond and how we choose to learn and grow from a situation. And it comes from the perspective of, of us being able to see how did our circumstances serve us as being the best thing to happen to us instead of the worst. Right, and I so, think I that's, mean, if you could, yeah, if you could ask that question, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter how crappy your what your experience is right now, if you ask that question of how is this the best thing for me, for me, my my experience with my dad was it allowed me to see and calibrate behavior on a very very fast basis which allows me to serve my clients so powerfully. In fact, just a couple years ago, um, I was in a crowded room and we were at a conference because, you know, when, back when we could all gather and there was a gentleman standing there and I, and the, the speaker had said, everyone gather into groups and share one of the most challenging things that you've ever been through. And, I was in a, I saw this guy and I just looked at him and it was an intuitive gut hit that I would not have had, had I not had the childhood I had. Um, I looked in his eyes and I saw that he was hiding something, that he had something that he wanted to escape from and that he wanted to get out of that room as fast as possible without doing the exercise. And I just, I just was friendly about it. And I just called him over to our group. And in our group, we all, there was, there was a lot of, uh, people who had experienced sexual abuse, me being one of them. And I looked at this gentleman and I knew, and it was after, after all of us had shared and this guy was to go last. And I looked at him and suddenly he broke down crying. And it was because of all of our truth that he was able to come out and say about abuse that he had experienced. I never would have been able to have that, that, acu- that sensory acuity, that awareness of when someone's hiding something. Now, I'm not always perfect on that, but, but this time I was. This time I, I nailed it. And this guy was to this day, he still texts me and, and thanks me for the transformation. Um, and I was like, I just, I just facilitated and created the space. Like you had to come and have the courage to be honest about what you experienced and to be able to transform that story. But 
that after is that experience. What? Now that is what that is what um I was kind of um getting to in that I wanted yeah. my audience to understand that when you when you are you know imparting this knowledge when you are um, sort of empowering them by your story in this podcast that you have the background of adversity as well that you overcame. Okay, I want them to get a sense that what you what what you're sharing now comes from a place that did have darkness, as many people who are looking to escape, you know, have their it's a different dynamic, but they may be in a place a place of darkness too. Yeah. And you overcame. I think that's important to them identifying that what we're telling them on this episode is is doable, you know, irrespective yeah. of circumstances. And it's funny because I have a, I have a client, and she has had two, had two babies, um, both out of wedlock, um, both never didn't marry from two different dads, and she was sharing with me how she went um, to this school to to she, she's a white woman. And she went with the school from her to with her church group, and they were all going to speak to these Latina girls who were struggling, who were in in poverty and struggling. And these these she walked these girls in this classroom. They literally looked at them like, "What are these white bitches going to say to me?" Like, look at them in their perfect lives, and my my client had the ability because of her experiences. Um, of things she experienced growing up, of her honesty and transparency. As soon as she started talking, she she said, look, I'm not here to preach to you on what you should do or how you should live your life. I've made mistakes. I had two different babies from two different dads. Um, And then she went down the list of other things that she had experienced. And she said, but I'm here to tell you that you you can move forward from it. And I believe that... the beauty of adversity and there is beauty beauty in every problem. And it's the beauty of the opportunity that you have the ability to connect with somebody that I cannot connect with. You have the ability to to touch a, a person's life that somebody else cannot touch because of the things that you have gone through because of the experiences. I can recognize addiction and abuse very quickly in, in, in people um, because that is our, that it, those are things that I experience personally, but there are other things that I haven't experienced. I mean, I'm, I'm a white woman. I haven't experienced racism. Um, so I can't speak from that perspective, but somebody else can. And that's, that's the beauty of this, the struggles that, and the challenges that you have faced, no matter what you've, you've experienced those if you look at those through the lens of how did those happen for you instead of how did those, why did those happen to you? It changes the game of how you can show up and serve at a different level and help people and then grow from there. Right. Right. And I think that's important. I think you made a, in, in, in the world we live in, um, even though my audience is worldwide, it's still, uh, crosses all boundaries when you talk about the, and the honesty of uh, men- mentioning things like racism, because I think that that sort of adds to the um, value to what you're saying, because people also need to admit um, where their expertise lie and the fact that it's it's not a one one shot answer for everyone, but in each of us we have different strengths and different things and different abilities and using our curiosity as individuals, there's always a possibility there. There's always a, a path to success there or, or a path that leads to betterment there. Um, I think I mean, in, my, in my definition, I believe that success is betterment. So it does depend on what you mean success to be. Right. Because sometimes our, our our sociological and societal definitions of what success should look like, I mean, we can see the Lamborghinis and the Kardashians and like all that, but they have their problems too. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that they, they're happy. They have I, bigger I problems person, than we so do. I can't, <laughs> I can't speak to that. I don't know them personally, <laughs> but I mean, that's, 
that's something that, you know, we have this perception of like having things or being famous or a celebrity or because somebody is, you know, a a certain color that they, that they've lived a, a perfect flawless life with no mistakes, with no struggles, with no challenges. I mean, I had a, what I got, it's funny because I got turned down for what this one big podcast that I wanted to speak on. They said, well, we don't want, we don't, we don't want someone who's, who's faced challenges. And I was like, okay, like you obviously haven't read my material or, or heard any of my stuff. And so I'm very open with the challenges that I have faced um, and very vulnerable about it. But from the surface, I look like very raw, raw, you know, cheerleader, happy go lucky person. And I, I am, I'm very joyful, but it's not, it's not toxic positivity. And I think that that's a big problem, especially in the personal development world or in this like where it's, oh, you know, just change your vibe. And I'm like, you know, some people, they are in, they are struggling right now and just saying, oh, just be happy. Like focus on what makes you happy. That is a, that is a, that is a, a win in and of itself if you can find something to be grateful for in the midst of a struggle. So that that is a success is to being able to just look through the lens of finding something to be grateful for, even when you're struggling with a challenge or the death of a loved one or um, uh, environmental circumstances or whatever like that. That is that is a success in, a, in and of itself. And I do not believe the toxic positivity of just like, oh, just put a smile on and be happy and that'll make everything better. It doesn't. Yes, I mean, I'm... if you look at the people that are supposed to be happy, like comedians, right, they they're supposed to be somewhat happy. Like they are sarcastic more often and they make people laugh and you think, Oh, comedy, that's, that's happy. Right. And yet why is it so many comedians commit suicide? Yes. That, that, that's a powerful point. I want to, I'm going to pause you again there. Cause I want to jump in there too. Cause for, for a few reasons, um, uh, number one, just a quick mention of that, that podcast. I didn't want you because, of your truths, uh, I guess that's why that podcast is not two four seven real talk because they don't want the truth. <laughs> exactly. um, secondly, you know, something that's really that, that struck me, you know, when you were speaking, and that is, and it, and it's it's a hard thing to achieve again because of society. Society has sort of if if we get drawn into it, society wherever we are, and this is worldwide, has defined success for individuals instead of many individuals being able to, to define success for themselves. And that's a very powerful point that you made because if your success, you, know, you may look at it and through your curiosity and your growth and what you want to achieve and what you have achieved might be, you know, having the, the, the biggest house with a pool and, and, and your family around the pool laughing and, 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 and your joyriding in yachts and, that's okay if that's your success, but I think it's important for people to recognize that, you know, maybe someone sitting in a small house, you know, on a lake somewhere with their feet in the water, um, having enough money to put food on their table, um, being able to pay their bills uh, and, and come out every night on their deck and watch, watch nature in, the most, in, in its purest form could be their success too. It's, it's not, you know, the minute we start measuring success based on society and based on someone else's success, that's where we run into a problem. And that's a problem the world has because let's face it, for the most part, we automatically, you know, kind of equate success with money. We, you know, with, with, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunately, and, and, you know, I always talk about, I have a couple of friends who I find them the most interesting individuals because from my perspective, looking at them, everything seems to work out for them and they behave like they don't have a care in the world. And I, and I wonder sometimes, how can I get to the point where, I mean, you could, I have some friends, you could tell them, you know, the sky is going to fall tomorrow and they're like, okay. And, you know, somehow the next day the sky will fall, but it won't hit them. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, and they just, and they go through life with this perspective, like, I'm happy right where I am. So everything else is going to fall into place. It's going to be okay. They believe it. They live their lives according to their own 
path, their own desire for what makes them happy. And the, and the universe seems to conform to them, to, for them to reach that goal. And then you have others who, you know, go work these jobs that they struggle with each other and they fight and they, they, they cut each other's throat to get ahead and to get the next promotion, the next this and the next that. And every time I speak to people like that, somewhere in the conversation, there always is a story about who they're fighting next and who their problem was with and who's in their way and who caused this and who caused that. Their, 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 their energy is so negative and it seems like they go around this perpetual you know, wheel and they never, ever, as long as I've known them, seem to get to a point where they can say, oh, I, 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 I can exhale. I, I, you know, this was my goal and I'm happy where I am. And, and that's one of the things uh, that your environment is so key. So to, to circle back to, to what you said about people who are currently going through adverse situations and who are struggling in different environments, look at who you're, you're surrounding yourself with and see how much time you are spending with them. That doesn't mean I, I am not about, you know, cutting off people from your life, um, but I am. I, I do preach and I practice being aware of who you're sharing your dreams with. Because let's take, for example, if you are someone who you have some big dreams, something that you want to create, and somebody else hasn't either achieved their dreams or they're coming from a negative state, if you share your dream with them, they're going to list all the reasons as to why you shouldn't go for it, why it's going to be hard, why it's going to, why it's going to be a challenge for you. And, and yet the thing is, is you could listen to them or you could tune them out. Both are, both are a choice because here's the thing is by, by looking at who you're listening to and assessing who you're listening to for when you share your dreams, you want to like, when you're sharing your dreams, you want to share those with, with people who are like, oh my gosh, yeah, I did that. Or I, I, I went for that. I did that goal. Or I, I fully cheerleaded. Like my, some of my closest friends, they have no idea what, they have no idea what I'm doing. They're like, you're like, they don't understand my business. They don't really understand coaching, but they cheer me on. Like they don't cut me down. They don't say that's impossible. They don't question why I'm working so hard. Um, they, they support it. Versus, for example, one of my clients, she was wanting to start her own business. She was really struggling with getting it off the ground and getting private clients. She was a massage therapist. And she kept on, I said, who do you talk to the most about your business? And she said, oh, my mom. And I said, is your mom a business owner? Like, has your mom ever built a business? No, her mom had been, uh, you know, employee for all her life, just recently retired. So she was getting business advice from somebody who's never done it before. So surround yourself with people who have done what it is that you want to do. This is why I love mentors. This is why I love movies, because sometimes you won't have, you won't know a, a real live flesh and blood person, but a fictional character can really resonate with you. So you may not know a real life flesh and blood person, but there's a, there are qualities and attributes of a fictional character that can really resonate with who you know you need to become. Maybe it's becoming more courageous. Maybe it's get, becoming more resilient and just being able to get back up again. Maybe it's becoming more joyful. Um, like I used to watch over and over and over and over the movie with Will Smith, uh, The Pursuit of Happiness. Um, just because of the resilience of how he, no matter what his circumstances were, and they got grim, he just kept getting back up. I loved Erin Brockovich, and no matter she was fighting, you know, a big giant corporation on, you know, hurt from help that was hurting people, um, and she was, you know, facing getting threats, and and yet she still kept going because her heart believed in these people in serving them and helping them. And she ha kept going for that calling. 
So movies can be, fictional characters can be huge. Um, That's why many of my clients, I'll ask them, like, what are you watching on Netflix? Because our subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between something that is real and something that is vividly imagined. So when you're experiencing a movie or a show, this is why I don't watch horror movies, your subconscious mind is accepting that as something that's real and actual for you. So if you're watching a lot of war or if you're watching a lot of uh, just like angry violence um, or if you're watching a lot of inspirational autobiographical shows, there's going to be a difference in how it impacts your mind and how you think and what you feel and believe is possible for you. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it. What's what's amazing about this, you know, as as we started this conversation and got into it, it's it's very obvious that this is a, a very powerful and deep conversation. I think it's a conversation that if every young person as they're as they're starting out their journey can 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 have and and can become a part of and can use as their as their their motivation not only for curiosity or for growth, but even in terms of um direction, um I think that it, it would change a lot of lives. You know, we and as I said, I was myself growing up guilty of the same thing. We conform so much that we lose our individuality and we lose um perspective sometimes on, on the fact that we're all individuals and we all um, we all have curiosity that if we allowed it to to go on its own journey with us so to speak um, it could take us amazing places I think that um, many people stumble across this this you know this, this brilliant um, discovery later on in life and then, you know, we, we we then look to sort of um, in, in regret, and maybe we kind of say, "Well, you know, I, I wish I had, but now I'm too old, or whatever." Uh huh. And then you there's see, a lot of ageism, yes, especially. And you see a um, lot of people. Just, it, it doesn't just mean like seventy year olds. I mean, I see ageism with like forty and fifty year olds, where it's like, "Oh, I." I missed my shot in my 20s. If only I'd known this. And I'm like, you ain't dead yet. You still are waking up breathing. So if you're still waking up with life and breath and health in your body, then there is no day like today, no matter what your age is. That's why I love working with older clients, because especially when they when they experience the transformation that can come from coaching and leaning into your courage and and the the change that can come from that holy moly that's that's when i'm like you have the ability to reach a different person than i can cuz someone will look at me and they'll see a young girl in her 30s who's saying all this and yeah that's great but oh i'm 60 or 70 and it doesn't really apply to me and then meanwhile, I have like my friend, like Cheryl Meyer, who is 71 years old, transformed her life and her health at 68 and now has a health coaching business, um, like at 71 years old. And she is just kicking butt. And and that's that's the beauty is like I love seeing success stories of different ages, because when you show more of that, you show what is possible. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite lines that I say Whenever I see someone experience a success, even if it's something that I've already achieved, I look at it and say, I can do that too. If they can, I can do that too. Because no person is born with a skill set. All we are born with a skill set to be able to do is poop and eat and sleep. Everything else is learned. Yeah. And everything else can be learned. Yes. And so if you want to achieve a million dollar business or start a business and you see someone succeeding at, at having a business, I can do that too. If you want to, you know, get the Ferrari and have that lifestyle and that's your jam, I can do that too. Like I love whenever I catch myself in the dungeon of doubt, I look, I, 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 I 
looked at something that someone else has accomplished and I just say, I can do that too. Yes. If yes. she can, I can. If he can, I can. And as, as, as I, as I, you know, we've, we've, uh, touched a lot of things. And as I look to, to wrap this up on this episode, it's, it's, which is hard because I think that there's so much more that you have to share and, and, uh, you know, maybe we should consider, you know, a follow up to this podcast because I think that the feedback I may get from this, this conversation alone will, will sort of, um, fuel, um, more curiosity and more questions from my audience and, and more fulfillment for my audience. Um, I think though that I, the, uh, one thing that I want to point that I want to make before we go in keeping with what you're saying is exactly the podcast that you're on. And that's, you know, two, four, seven real talk. It's, it's, I was the most unlikely person to have a podcast. I, um, you know, was not someone who would be out in the forefront like this, but it was it was a a drive within me realizing that there are so many people out there who either are in need of help or have stories to share that can empower someone else, help someone else, um, lift someone else. You know, there are so many truths out there. We we live in a society where. You know, we, we struggle to discern what is truth and what is lies, the media and all these things and, and all the, 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 the recre, or, or the creations of, of visions that are specifically, um, cr- created for us, but they're all false, uh, impressions. And so the importance of this podcast was to do exactly what the, you know, what you have done tonight, the conversation that we've had and the conversations that so many others who have come on this show have had, and that is truth and empowerment. And I think it's, uh, um, I think this is an amazing conversation we've had tonight because, and even more so in this specific time in, in, in COVID, because people are going to come out of the COVID. It is, you know, and I have to say this to all my audience, and I'm sure they hear a lot of people say it's, their life is always evolving. COVID will end or it will be, it will get to a point where it's controlled, where it's no longer the big thing because there will be the next big thing. And when people come out of this, they're going to need to recreate themselves. They may find themselves in the position of right back at, at the starting line. And maybe this is an opportunity for them to not follow that society written rule or, 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 or of growth and, and uh, stepping out again. And maybe this conversation has empowered them to say, I've always wanted to do this. I've always been curious about that. I have nothing to lose. And here I go. So um, understanding that, you know, like I said, many people coming out of this, especially in the United States and what is done in the devastation that we've had and the jobs that are lost and the people that are, are lost because of job loss or losing family members or losing the breadwinner or, you know, um, you know, losing their income. Um, I'd like you to leave them all with a universal message that will resonate with them as they go through this process of, of, of coming out of or dealing with COVID coming out of it and for life in general. Breathe. (laughs) It really is. It really is simple, but many of my clients, especially because I work with a lot of high achievers and I've seen this consistently where people, they have like COVID has allowed for a lot of space for people to, be and to imagine and especially if if you've experienced the loss uh like like I just did um being able to say like what what is it that I want to do before I die what is it that I want to leave and and at the same time you know 2020 was quite traumatic for many many people and our nervous systems need a break they it needs to oscillate. It needs to move out of the fight, flight, freeze, uh, trauma response. And that can come from breathing. 
So take deep breaths during the day. Allow yourself time to just literally sit and breathe just for a couple minutes and then take an action and then do an act of courage and then take a step. Just take one step. That could be the step of buying a book. It could be the step of um, reaching out to a friend. It could be the step of asking for help in a Facebook group. It could be the step, but take a breath. Allow yourself to get centered instead of getting swept up in all of the externalities of all of the craziness that is so easy to get swept up in. Allow yourself for the centeredness of breath to come back to that space that is that is life, that is the fact that you are alive, you are breathing, you are here, which means you still have a purpose, which means you still have a shot which means that you still have an opportunity. Take a breath, breathe in that life, and then do an action of courage. Yeah, that, that, that's an amazing message. It's, it's, it, it sounds simple enough, but it, it, it's all about centering yourself in where you are and getting clarity and getting a vision of, to, of where you want to go. And then believing it and achieving it. So, um, and, and I'm not saying to my audience members that that's the easiest thing in the world to do. We have to retrain ourselves. So we have to be realistic. We have to understand the truth. Yes. And yeah. so, um, Kim Lee, thank you so, so much for being on this show. I, I really do hope that um, you would agree to come on again. I, I suspect. I, I would love to. I would yeah. love to come on after my book comes out. Exactly. So tell us before we go, tell us a little bit about the book. We don't want to, we want to make sure we get that plug in there now. So. (laughs) Yeah. So my book, it was originally called Mindful Meals and through circumstances and, and changes, I have just changed the title to being Rule Your Body of allowing your body to be, to, to kick off food fears and to really learn how to master your mindset and, and understand this beautiful palace that we are blessed with. Um, And it's about stripping away the sociological and conditioning that we have specifically around the body um, and, and restructuring our own beliefs about what health is for us, what food means for us, and getting us back in touch with how we feel in our bodies and what feels good and because your body can be the most beautiful tool for make for following your curiosity. Your body is where your intuition is housed. Many of my clients feel it in their gut or they feel it in their chest and their heart. But when you can tune into your body, and that's why I say breathe, because when you have that, that skill set, that practice of being able to tune into your body of what's what's she or he saying back that there is there is a relationship and a dialogue and and an amazing tool that we have that will carry us through everything you're you may not have the same business you may not even have the same spouse but you will have your body for the rest of your life wow and that's and yeah so so that's you can you can definitely go to crownyourself.com to find out more information about um about that and if you want to get an early start you can jump in in the rule rule my body course um that i have on my website fantastic so as as my as my audience has heard, have heard they have heard that you will be back and i know they'll enjoy what they've heard from you on this podcast and you will be back to continue uh, the story, the education, the empowerment, the, you know, the uplifting of, of minds and bodies and thoughts and um, creating a space for people to uh, break out of that mold that they're in and step forward to their true potential. So we look forward to, I look forward to having you again on the show. Um, I am I'm so happy to be able to say to my audience that you, you called in all the way from Australia and yeah. 
And so um, I thank you for taking the time. I thank you for considering 247 Real Talk as uh, a good enough platform to to share your story. And you are more than good enough. <laughs> thank you more so than much. Good enough. And I look forward so much to speaking with you again soon. So thank you so much. Same here. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you having me on, Julian. And um, I am sending so much love to your audience during these times. Keep breathing and you will crown yourself. Thank you so much. say a very special thank you to my guest Kimberly Spencer for the amazing conversation on this episode and I look forward so much to having her on as a guest again to share more of her knowledge and to share the power of empowerment with you and with everyone who listens to 247 Real Talk I want to thank my audience as always for their continued support reminding you that you can listen to every episode on your favorite podcast app. You can also head over to the website, the www.247realtalk.net, where we have all the episodes and information about our guests. If you'd like to be a guest in the show, if you'd like to send me a message, you can email me at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until we do this again... Breathe, then take care of yourselves and each other.